0: Welcome to Breaking the Cycle of Poverty featuring Jay Hite, Executive Director of Shepherd Community Center in Indianapolis. For the past 36 years, Shepherd has served its neighbors on the Near East Side of Indianapolis by providing a range of services and support designed to end generational poverty. My name is Tim Swearns and I'm your host for these conversations that explore why poverty remains such a persistent problem in the United States and how each of us can help our neighbors break the cycle of poverty. Today's episode explores a surge in violent crime that we've witnessed in cities across the nation, including Indianapolis, in recent years. Jay, let's jump right into this topic. You've been witness to the aftermath of far too much violent crime on the east side of Indianapolis. What have you learned about the factors that drive so much crime in our city?
1: Yeah, I think here's the question. Is it the crime is, is, is the driver or is it the lagging indicator of something else? We see the same thing with suicides have increased, uh, abuse of alcohol, of drugs. And so, you know, it's sort of the chicken and the egg. Mm-hmm. My contention is this. It's hopelessness. At the very core, uh, when someone is hopeless, when they don't care about themselves and they're not going to care about someone else, when they don't think anyone cares about them, they're not going to care. And so maybe, maybe if we keep peeling this back, we find folks who are lonely and feel abandoned, feel ignored and feel left alone. You know, Tim, we just in recent weeks had our third mass shooting and it's that same age group of 18 to 22. And, you know, I, I'm not a Psychologist, psychiatrist. I, am um, just someone who lives with the neighbors, and I think, as I hear from them, I, I really think it's this sense that of loneliness that leads to a hopelessness, and um, and so then out of that becomes this high risk uh, lifestyle, these decisions, and uh, you know why do, uh, and I'm not going to get into a Second Amendment conversation, but what I'm saying is why does a 22 year old Want to have an automatic rifle? um, What makes you go through, and how does your brain work uh, to plot out? I'm going to shoot innocent people. I I think uh, it's hate, but it's hate as much of yourself as it is to others. And so, I I really, uh, and as I've said to the mayor, I've said to others, we're not going to police our way out of this. Um, It is really a sense that we, as the church, we as ministries, we as people. Need to love our neighbor and be hope givers.
0: You you live in the neighborhood where you, you serve. It's a neighborhood that's seen more than its share of, of crime over the years. What do you tell to, to people who may be afraid to to come to the Near East Side to serve uh, because they see the nightly news?
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things when you see the nightly news and you hear they like to say, well, another and I've heard this multiple times, another homicide in the Near East Side. Well, first of all, the Near East Side's a big place. But crime is not random. Generally, it's folks doing bad things, and bad things happen. Not that they deserve it. That's not it at all. But when you're in a high risk lifestyle and you're making very questionable choices, you put yourself into situations where bad things can happen. You know the thing that our parents told us, and that I they uh, folks here have heard me say: nothing good happens after eleven o'clock, and yes. that's true. And um, I, I want for us to uh, understand that there are great things in my neighborhood. There are great people, and there are so many good things happening. Yes, there's a lot of hopelessness, and yes, there's a lot of violence, um, but we're going to love our way out of it, not police our way out of it. And I am thankful that we are served by the Indianapolis Marion County Uh, Police Department, they do a great job. Our Sheriff's Department does a great job. We're served by some of the best and uh, It's not their issue. I think they tend to get blamed. The issue really lies to us individually I've said it before probably said it on here. We're all Legos created for connection different shapes different sizes different colors And we're made to connect on the top and on the bottom uh, just like a Lego does. We're made to connect to God and connect to each other. And so we've got to be connecting. We have to love our neighbor and make that connection.
0: You, your neighbors live with the, the threat of crime. How, how does that affect how they live their lives?
1: Well, sometimes it desensitizes you to the hurt. You just, oh, there's, you know, oh, there's another gunfire. Oh, someone else got murdered. And the fact is someone died. And uh and that breaks the heart of God, and we've got to not be so desensitized. Uh, we have to love them. And in uh, I think it's in the New Living Translations in Matthew 5 and Sermon on the Mount, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. That's how it says in the NLT. I like that. And I think the question is, are we as Christ's followers? hungering and thirsting for justice for our neighbors, justice for our community, uh, justice against those who would want to do uh, and, and make them victims.
0: Shepard operates an innovative program called the Shalom Project with Indianapolis Police and, and other agencies. Explain what the Shalom Project is and, and how it came about.
1: Yeah, it, for those of you old like me, remember the old uh, Cheers The phrase was where everyone knows your name. And when we hired this uh, reserve police officer to work for us and then teamed him up with uh, with a paramedic, um, we said this, victory is when everyone knows your name, when you can personalize it. And I think a key differentiator is the average time on a scene for a police officer because of the amount of runs, it's going to be four to five minutes. Our officer and paramedic can spend 26, 27 minutes on a scene and then can help uh, begin to decipher what are the real challenges here. And they're the tip of the spear for us to bring other services and other things that we do here to bear to help folks. Many times it's folks can't read and so they're not taking their medicine the right way. It could be that uh, there's some kind of challenge with a neighbor and the only thing they know is to get mad and make threats. Uh, we can intervene and bring hope to hopeless situations just because we're making a connection with them.
0: Shalom Project's been operating for a few years now. Is there a story or experience from that effort that stands out in your mind?
1: Well, I think there are several, and we're really excited. We're working through a grant from the Glick Foundation, and a professor from IUPUI is actually doing um, research to see the effectiveness of this program and i'm uh, excited about that that we can uh, validate what we think is but a couple of stories i think of the one individual about every two weeks he'd end up in the er and uh, they would go visit and say why are you calling and he said well my my insulin would run out and they said are you getting your prescription filled and he said what's a prescription and so they said do you when you leave the hospital, you got, and he had a stack of prescriptions, but he didn't know what, he couldn't read them, had no idea what that was. No one had ever explained to him what a prescription was. And so he, uh, we were able to take him to a pharmacy show up, because what happens is he would use however much insulin he had from his uh, visit to the hospital. He would use that up, and then he would wait until he got too sick and call 911. Mm -hmm. We had one individual who was Calling uh, 911. He averaged in a year every 22 hours. Some parts of a month and a half, he had spent incarcerated. Right. So you can imagine how often he's calling 911. And uh, people had actually put him into an apartment, um, and they couldn't understand why he wouldn't stay in the apartment. And uh, and finally, in a conversation with our team, they recognized that he had dementia, but no no one was catching that and he's now in a care facility where he is getting meals he's getting medicine and he's safe he's he's it's it's a lockdown facility um so that he doesn't get hurt uh he was out in the streets where it wasn't safe i think of another with richard reeves and um richard is now deceased passed away this past year but his end of his life was much different than the beginning of his life and uh, we were able to, uh, the team and others were able to intervene, give him hope with his wife as well. Uh, when he would go try to buy alcohol, they had gone all to the places around there and said, don't sell him alcohol, it's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And so he'd go in and he, he'd get so mad because our team had gone in and said, I'm not allowed to sell you alcohol. But he sobered up. And there were times where he still had that struggle and, until he died. He, he fought that addiction. But his, his end of his life was different. uh, He and his wife's relationship was different. So I I see some of those. I I also see those situations where our officer maybe has to arrest someone, but Mm -hmm. he's been able to say, hey, here's my card. When you get out, I run a Celebrate Recovery program. I can help you.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great. Um, You mentioned earlier the loss of hope, the hopelessness that so many people are are dealing with. How do we begin to rebuild hope in, in people's lives and in our neighborhoods?
1: Connecting. Jesus commanded us to love our neighbor. To love our neighbor, we have to know their name. We have to know what they look like. And we have to purposely connect. And I I think in that Sermon on the Mount, when he says to hunger and thirst for for justice, hunger and thirst for righteousness, maybe what that means is if I'm going to have justice for my neighbors, I need to spend more time listening to them and their story and getting to know them and then helping understand, because I can fight for justice when I know your story. Yeah. How should
0: Christians respond to the, the reality of violent crime? How do we bring peace and hope into a conversation so often centered on fear?
1: We need to be present. We need to be in those arenas because there's plenty of darkness. Uh, for, for a period of time in America, the church left the inner city in many cases and 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 satan filled it and so we're bringing light back in and we have to have that presence to be the the city on a hill that that beacon of hope and it comes with not a building but the unleashed people who are living and connecting into the life of uh, their neighbors and getting to know their names
0: thank you jay Uh, this is obviously a very important set of issues set of issues we'll revisit in the future um thank you for all who are listening today the shepherd team works hard every day to meet neighbors physical spiritual emotional and mental health needs and they couldn't begin to do it without your support to learn more about how you can assist those efforts please visit shepherdcommunity.org thank you again for listening